Hi, this is Dave Durr, and today we're rolling into the last chapter in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah's story started when he was a direct report to the king, in exile in a foreign land, working as a cupbearer. It's good to recall how Nehemiah poured his heart out in prayer, asking God what to do about the news he had heard, about the torn down walls of Jerusalem and the burned gates. And then how he witnessed the power of that prayer when the king opened the doors of opportunity for Nehemiah and God's people. Nehemiah took notice of this opportunity and moved into action. As we progress through this book, we have found Nehemiah to be a man of prayer, first of all, a man of faith and trust in God. We have also been given a front row seat in this story, which has allowed us to see that he was indeed a man of action. He was a leader for such a time as this. He loved God and knew God's heart and desires, and he acted upon what he clearly sensed God calling him to do. He refused to fall into a complaining or whining attitude. Rather, he moved forward with conviction and purpose into God's purposes and plan. As we enter this last chapter, we find Nehemiah reacting the same way, as he moves in a swift and focused way to make, make right that which was wrong, clearly wrong. Let's pick up the story in chapter 13. On that same day, as the book of Moses was being read to the people, the passage was found that that said no Ammonite or Moabite should ever be permitted to enter the assembly of God. For they had not provided the Israelites with food and water in the wilderness. Instead, they hired Balaam to curse them, though our God turned the curse into a blessing. When this passage of the law was read, all those of foreign descent were immediately excluded from the assembly. Before this had happened, Eliashib, the priest who had been appointed as supervisor of the storerooms of the temple of our God, and who was also a relative of Tobiah, had converted a large storage room and placed it at Tobiah's disposal. The room had previously been used for storing the grain offerings and the frankincense, various articles for the temple, and the tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil which were prescribed for the Levites, the singers, and the gatekeepers, as well as the offerings for the priests. I was not in Jerusalem at that time, for I had returned to King Artaxerxes of Babylon in the 32nd year of his reign, though I later asked his permission to return. When I arrived back in Jerusalem, I learned about Eliashib's evil deed in providing Tobiah with a room in the courtyards of the temple of God. I became very upset and threw all of Tobiah's belongings out of the room. Then I demanded that the rooms be purified, and I brought back the articles for God's temple, the grain offerings, and the frankincense. I also discovered that the Levites had not been given their prescribed portions of food, so they and the singers who were to conduct the worship services had all returned to work their fields. I immediately confronted the leaders and demanded, Why has the temple of God been neglected? 
Then I called all the Levites back again and restored them to their proper duties. And once more, all the people of Judah began bringing their tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the temple storerooms. I assigned supervisors for the storerooms, Shelemiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, and Pedadiah one of the Levites. And I appointed Hanan son of Zakur and grandson of Metaniah as their assistant. These men had an excellent reputation, and it was their job to make honest distributions to their fellow Levites. And then the final verse here that I'm going to read is uh, a bit of a prayer. Remember this good deed, O my God, and do not forget all that I have faithfully done for the temple of my God and its services. Nehemiah, after 12 years of leading the charge for the rebuilding of the walls and government of Jerusalem, returned to his original job. He was a cupbearer to the king. We have no idea how long he stayed there, but we know he eventually returned to Jerusalem and didn't like what he learned about what was taking place in the temple of God. And we read about that just moments ago. Nehemiah was made aware of a number of things that were wrong. First of all, Tobiah, who was introduced to us way back in an earlier chapter, was certainly an enemy of God and a thorn in Nehemiah's side. Yet now he was being given a chamber in the courtyard of the temple to live in. Nehemiah knew that Tobiah's negative influence in the house of God was a huge problem and certainly needed to be addressed. Nehemiah's reaction was visceral and swift. There was no prayer offered, at least none that we know of, before he moved into action. He knew clearly that this was way wrong and he needed to act to correct it. Just an aside here, I wonder how many times I have used the excuse of, let me step back here, I can't give you an answer now, I need to pray about it, instead of moving into action quickly when I know it's the right thing to do and God is prompting me to do it. How about you? Do you sometimes use prayer as an excuse in action. I also remember a time when one of our children was spending a, a lot of time with a friend that had a real negative influence on them. We could see the negative effects of this negative, negative influence on our child, so my wife and I acted quickly to break up that friendship. It was the right thing to do, and we did not want to delay the action. A good question to ask here is, who are the people influencing you on a daily basis? Are they calling you up to greater things or things of God? Or are they like Tobiah, dragging you down into the pit with them? Think about it. Nehemiah next discovered that the Levites those who were entrusted to serve in the temple and who were supported by the offerings of the, temp of the people were missing in action. Since their income was removed, they moved out of the city and began farming. Nehemiah again did not hesitate. He did not put a committee or a study group together. He acted. He pointed out what was wrong. 
He put a plan in place to correct it, and then he executed that plan. He led with the authority and power of God, the God he walked with daily. Of course, we all know there was there are certain problems that we deal with and things we face that only prayer will provide the answer. And there's no other place to turn but to prayer. However, there's an interesting pattern here of Nehemiah sometimes putting obedience ahead of prayer. He recognized the action of disobedience of certain people, and he moved to correct it immediately. There are times for each of us where the answer and the solution is obvious to us, and it's serious enough to react quickly. But just a cautionary aside here, when it's obvious and action is required, I believe care should be taken taken in what we say or what we do about it. But equally important, there's a need for care in how we say or how we go about dealing with it. The final thing Nehemiah had to deal with was reminding the people of the importance of tithing, giving to God a portion of what he has freely provided to each of them. You know, I have found in my life that my heart is really connected to my checkbook because when my heart is soft and my heart is pliable, I am far more generous than when my heart is becoming hard. And in those times, I seem to live with a scarcity mentality and my generosity evaporates. Are you recognizing that all of what you have belongs to God and he's simply asking you to return a portion of that to him? Have you found generous living is connected to the condition of your heart? So what can you do about it? What is God saying through this segment of his word today? How have the actions of Nehemiah challenged you? And then what is God calling you to do about that? Let's pray. Father, show each of us individually what you desire for us to act on today. Thank you for the example of Nehemiah. Would you please help us, Lord, to move into action with your power, with your authority, when you've clearly called us to obedience to act on your assignments and your will for our lives. Would you also help each of us, Lord, to be a generous people with our time, our abilities, and our resources, all of which have been given generously to us by you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.